I'm sitting side by side. It's not, uh, they're mm. not my enemy type of thing. So I'm like, look, I'm an agent as well. By the end of the call, you should know all your options and I'm going to let you decide what you'd like to do. And they're like, oh, okay. So that's how I normally set, set the table is, you know, specifically on that part is letting them know that, you know, if this sounds like a good fit for us and for them, that they'll be able to decide what they want to do because they have all the options. Hey friends, welcome back to the CareCast podcast. My name is Brady. I'm your host. This is a podcast where we help you build businesses of freedom and impact by dialing your online marketing. And today, your negotiation skills, your sales negotiation skills. Um, we just wrapped up deal closers month at care.com slash close. And we went through the whole month without doing any sales negotiation content. And I know um, from doing the podcast for a few years that people love sales negotiation. It's always a favorite. So um, I wanted to bring on our new friend, Jeremy, to talk about um, closing deals. Uh, he's a killer closer. Anyways, I want to introduce him to you guys. Uh, Jeremy Tech. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Stoked to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We met at uh, Care Camp. Has it been a month, month and a half now, a couple months, and hit it off. Um, a lot of common interests. But anyways, uh, you're just, you're closing deals left and right. And that's your thing. Like anybody can close you a good lead or send you a good lead and you can close it. So, um, yeah, man, just want to dive into negotiation and talk about, uh, common objections, how to overcome them, kind of your approach to negotiation, where you started context for, uh, your journey and all that, everything in between. Sound good. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Sweet. Um, so give me, uh, give me like your, your 60 second background real estate. How'd you get into this? And I was going to ask you at the end, but I, I want to ask you now, I know the answer to this cause I got to hear you talk at care camp, but why are you in real estate? How'd you get in and what are you in this for? What's your end game? Yeah. So I'm just raising money so that I can self-produce my music projects. And instead of trying to go out and, uh, get sponsored or, uh, find a label and uh, take that whole risky path. I'd rather just do it myself and fund my own art. So that's why I got into real estate. I was playing guitar full time prior to it and uh, kind of fell in my lap. It's probably too long of a story for today's podcast, but <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it's all driven by the music. That's awesome, man. And it's a lot less... Um... I don't know, a lot more freeing, you know, uh, having, not having, uh, just having that stability there, you know, a lot more freedom and flexibility versus like being at the mercy of a label. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, even during COVID was a perfect example of it. And, you know, that's kind of a perfect example of where I really learned to close over the phone was, it mm. was like, Hey, well you can't, I had buddies that were amazing and are amazing musicians. And they were out of work completely. They had to go find regular jobs that were COVID friendly. And I was fortunate enough to had uh, awesome real estate business already going. So just yeah. shifted with it. Right. Just a little bit of pivot. That's awesome, mm -hmm. man. Um, so give me some context for uh, your business model specifically. Where, you know, where do you spend your time? What do you specialize in? 
So what we do is my partner generates a ton of leads through SEO, through Carrot, and uh, I'm the closer. So I used to hire salespeople, but I found that I was much better at closing. <laughs> and so I actually take the calls or take the calls once they're teed up to me and I qualify them and close them. And I do it, uh, I would say 95% virtually. Okay. Interesting. Even though a lot of the investing you're doing is local to, you know, Coeur d'Alene and Spokane, or is it more of like Northwest in general? So it's a bit of both. Um, it's kind of continually transitioned, but since I partnered with my partner, he had his business running in the Puget Sound, Seattle, Tacoma area. So I was doing a ton of it out there, but we've been doing a ton out in Spokane now and Tri-Cities and just Eastern Washington, Yakima, Walla Walla. So all major counties in Washington were hitting. But yeah, I, I now am consolidated in Spokane and then Tacoma, Seattle. I would say Spokane, yeah. Tacoma, Seattle areas are where we're doing a majority of our business right now. Yeah. Well, I hadn't even thought about that when we were kind of you know, roughly planning out the podcast is I hadn't thought about the fact that it's almost all virtual and how much, how much you lose in a conversation, communication skills without those nonverbal cues, you know, how much better your negotiation has to be. That's interesting with it being 95% virtual. 100%. And I am happy to share too about how, as a, I'm also an agent, a realtor. So uh, we just did our first I closed my first virtual listing mm. and have a second one going now too. So we're able to close them over the phone on listing the home. And then uh, we successfully closed it even at the price I pitched them um, over wow. the phone. That's freaking awesome, man. Okay. So let's, let's, um, I want to know one thing and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes and negotiation. Um, where did you give me some context for like the types of marketing you're doing when you got started versus now you, you obviously you're doing all SEO leads now, but what did you try over the years that led you to just going all on an SEO? So without taking forever, cause the story kind of <laughs> goes all over the place. Uh, my very first deal was actually a door knocking lead and it was my neighbor huh. and it was a first he had a for sale by owner sign in his yard and i went and knocked on the door and he had just kicked a tenant out and the place was kind of destroyed and he was cleaning it all out and i was like you know i did my little pitch i was actually on the way to go teach guitar lessons so i had like a three-piece suit on and that was my day-to-day -day was teaching and um i asked him what was up. And I had just learned about wholesaling from one of those little online programs. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, put the sign out there 15 minutes ago. And I said, you know, let's make a deal. And we did. And I made 10 grand, uh, 30 days later from that. Oh, snap. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I mean, you also had the ultimate trust and credibility. I hope as, as long as you're a good neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really know him cause it was his tenant. Oh. So his tenant oh. was my neighbor. Yeah. And so wow. I was just random dude. And I'm like, Hey, but it, it did, it had credibility. Cause I was like, I live right over here, you yeah. know? And, um, I even told him straight up and we'll get into this later. I was transparent of like, Hey, if I brought you a buyer at what you're asking for, uh, would that bother? He's like, no, as long as I get my number, I'm good. And, wow. uh, we assigned the contract and being naive to it. I didn't know that people 
hid their buyers or hid that they were assigning a contract. Yeah. And um, so door knocking and then um, a little bit of word of mouth. My second deal was from my prior uh, landlady at the time. We were trying to place one of our guitar teachers, our new ones that we were hiring in our business in a home. He had moved to town. He was staying with me. And I went and asked her and she's like, I'm actually selling everything. My father just passed and my uh, neighbor or my neighbor, my husband had a brain aneurysm and mm. we've got to sell everything. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool because I'm in real estate now. <laughs> and she's like, no way. You teach guitar. I know how much you make. You know, you're always on time for rent, but you rented like my cheapest house ever. <laughs> and um so long story short, I was just like, I told her, I was like, oh, well, I connect you with a buyer, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up selling her entire estate. It was about 60 doors total, um, including a, 40 of them being properties and houses and 20 of them being a small apartment complex. And uh, we did that whole thing. So that really launched me. So I guess in a That's way- That's a I huge had, second, quote unquote, second deal. As if, right. Yeah. Right. So I guess in a way I kind of had what some people would call an unfair advantage. And during that time, I started, um, I knew that it was going to run out. I wasn't counting on that deal, you know, yeah. and it, it did bring, you know, a six figure return on that deal, but it was took about a year. And with that, I started injecting my capital into bandit signs that I would stay up and handwrite. And at that time, bandit signs were still working. So I would go teach guitar during the day. And then at night, I would go post bandit signs that I would handwrite. And then they just had my personal phone number. I didn't have like call rail or anything <laughs> like that. I just, hey, what's up, you know? And then yeah. I actually did the same to build my buyers list. I would just put investment property available and mm. go post bandit signs. And that worked. So that was actually my first like form of marketing, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And then from there, I got really down the rabbit hole with direct mail. Hmm. And so then I did direct mail for three and a half, four years. From that point on, I just kept doing direct mail over and over and over and never stopped. And up to, I think I was doing about 40,000, 50,000 pieces was about the most I was doing per month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were you still, uh, two questions on direct mail. Were you still using your personal cell phone number when you cranking that much direct mail? Definitely not. <laughs> okay, good. I'm like, man, I had a nightmare. <laughs> I've got some serious, crazy stories about direct mail too. I had people like that came down to UPS saying they wanted to kill me and all this stuff. That, <laughs> that was my PO box. It was crazy. Man, That's it's, it's just mail. It's not even that invasive. It's not like... <laughs> that, that campaign was nuts. And that was still before like wholesaling was super popular. You know, yeah. this was 2019. Yeah, 2019, 2018, somewhere in there, in that yeah. time period. So yeah. you you mentioned something interesting. You said you were naive to the fact that other wholesalers did not disclose. Hey, I'm going to hook you up with a buyer. Do you? What's your approach now? The same. Yeah, the same. The same. Yeah, I I am very open about. You know, I'm not like, oh, we're going to assign your contract to make forty thousand dollars <laughs> or anything like that. But yeah, um, there's a way of you know, finessing that. And it's your, your, you bring a buyer partner and then they need to qualify the house themselves. And, uh, they're going to put up, you know, earnest money as well. And just not that I'm your end buyer, you're working with a team 
And if they're not, if there's different tiers of sellers too. So if they're like in a rush rush, you know, that's usually what we do. And I've got a couple of really good guys that'll close really fast. And then if they want a little bit more out of a property and they'll give us more inspection period time and those types of terms, I'll be like, you know what? Like I'm not your empire. And I have one right now that I just assigned today, this morning. And I told the seller straight up that he would make $25,000 more if he let me assign the contract. And uh, he was also looking at having us list it too. And mm. he was like, so you're very confident in that? I'm like, yeah, I'm confident. And I probably won't make much money, which I'm not making a big fee on it. But he's getting what he wants. I'm still going to make a little bit of money. Our team keeps on making money. And um, it was totally out in the open that I was bringing him a buyer that was going to pay us a fee. I think that's the best way. I personally think that's the best way to do business. I can't speak personally as a wholesaler, but just the coming from a standpoint of saying, you know what, I can be totally open, honest, transparent about my whole process. I have nothing to hide. And just the freedom that that gives you. So we'll talk about objections in a sec, but this, I want to pause on this for a sec because this is critical. I want to know, because I forgot you were, uh, I forgot you were a realtor as well. I forgot you were a hybrid. So how do you, how do you kind of position yourself? What do you label yourself as? What's that initial conversation look like with a seller? I'm a, I'm a licensed whole, uh, wholesaler. I'm a, licensed real, <laughs> I wish. I'm a licensed real estate agent in the state of Washington, and you know, I just say, hey, full disclosure. Uh, I'm sure that my assistant already told you, but I'm a licensed real estate agent. Most of the people on my team are licensed agents, so uh, I just it's my fiduciary duty to make sure you know all your options. Gotcha. Okay. And then that's when you cross into, Hey, we can do this. What's that next part of that conversation? Um, so it really depends on what they want, you know? So I know that one of the things you want to talk about are objections and without getting too far down that rabbit hole, rabbit hole too soon. Um, the thing that I found is that you're not going to convince somebody generally, generally speaking, okay. To drop their price by like a hundred grand in their mind. You know what I mean? It's more mm -hmm. of educating. That's the way I sell. I I'm a, take a very consultative approach. I'm, I'm sitting side by side. It's not, uh, they're mm -hmm. not my enemy type of thing. So I'm like, look, I'm an agent as well. So what, and I could take you through my script at some point during the call. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the call, you should know all your options and I'm going to let you decide what you'd like to do. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. So that's how I normally set set the table is, you know, specifically on that part is letting them know that, you know, if this sounds like a good fit for us and for them, that they'll be able to decide what they want to do because they have all the options. Okay. Have you, so have you tried um, different styles or approaches over the years? Cause you, you'll have some investors who it's like, They'll call the lead and say, hey, I'm an investor. I'm just going to be up front. I'm an investor. I'm looking to make as much money as possible while still helping you. There's a million different ways to approach it. Have you tried different you know, styles or personalities over the years, or has it always been kind of that straight shooter, here's your options? That's a good question. I would say for myself, pretty straight shooter. And there, there is no... well. Maybe there are some wrong ways, but <laughs> there's no, I'm not saying that my technique is the best either. I'm just saying that this is what I've developed through tons of sales study and practice. And uh, 
the the side by side sales, especially when you're using direct response marketing specifically, because don't forget, because most people forget that, oh, I'm just going to cold call somebody or go knock on their door and I'm going to convince them to sell me their house. You know, <laughs> Especially if you're a brand new wholesaler, it's like, that's the biggest objection. How on earth is somebody going to sell me their house for 60 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar? And I'm going to make a, you know, $20,000. Like this seems so fake. That's what I thought when I first heard about it. Yeah. And then I realized that there truly are people who need that service. Yeah. And that's what you're ultimately doing. So there, there's, it's not about objections as much as it is about really sifting through what they need and making sure that you're the right fit for what they need and educating them on why you're the right fit instead of convincing them. So by the end of the sale, they're actually deciding to go with you versus your competition or anybody or thinking about going and, you know, seeking okay. anybody else out, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. You no, know, that does make sense completely as it's not about really overcoming or defeating the objections about gaining more understanding and educating them. Yeah. And the, what I always say, and I learned this from uh, Tony Robbins sales program, disc set back in the day, uh, like eight years ago, even before I learned about wholesaling or real estate sales, I was selling guitar students to come mm. and take guitar. And I'll tell you what, that was such a hard sale. Like, <laughs> hey, pay me a premium to teach you every single month. And then I have to sell you every single month to stay <laughs> on top right. of getting your results. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, what Tony says is if there are, and I know a lot of other salespeople say this, but he was a really big advocate for if there's objections at the end of the sale, you didn't do your job right. Hmm. You didn't, you didn't sell correctly. You should have already drawn those out and covered all those bases by actively listening and by actively, uh, understanding clearly what they need and allowing them to understand what you offer. And again, allowing them to come to the conclusions themselves versus, oh, well, your, your price is too high or your price is too low. That's the big one, right? Your price is too low. Well, okay. Here's my objection for price is too low. It's not like that. Yeah. It's, they should know by the time I'm telling them, hey, I can only offer you, uh, you know, 390 for your house that's worth 650 and they wanted uh 470 they're not going to be like oh my gosh what a <laughs> low ball offer they knew it was coming yeah they knew it was coming hmm. you know and even recently a deal we have tied up right now i was like hey you know we can only offer you 240 for this i knew we had room to go but uh, she wanted 270. So we were not far off. And she's like, well, how about we do 260? And I was like, how about 257.5? 260 and then concessions, concessions, you know, I'll, how about a sewer scope? How about a 10 day inspection period? And then we're going to assign the contract and I'll bring you a buyer at that. Cause that's a huge part of it now. It's yeah. like, I'm not revealing right out the gate everything. I'm not, you know, uh, I keep my powder dry. It's another sales technique. And, mm. you know, at that point now I'm like, oh, well, would you be okay with us bringing a third party uh, investor in to purchase the home with us? 
oh yeah, no problem. As long as I get my money at 260, great. We've got a deal. Send in over the paperwork, right? Mm. And so um, if that made sense, it's not really about, yes, there's negotiations back and forth, but they're not objecting now. They're not like, oh, heck no. Like, because I already told them right out the gate, we're probably not a good fit for you. We're actually probably not a good fit for most people. Why the heck aren't you listing this property? Yeah. You know? And they're like, well, this, that, and the other. And they tell you why. They're like, well, I guess I didn't think about that. I'm like, you do understand that even with realtor commissions, selling as is with the equity you have in your home right now, that you're still going to make more than with a cash offer. They're like, yeah, I understand that. I still want the cash offer because it's easier because I want to leave all my crap in the house. I want a smooth, confident close. And I want a two-week holdback guarantee. Mm. And it's like, okay, they who who's selling who now? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're selling me. <laughs> right. It's like right? I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it just makes everything that much simpler. And then at the end of the process, there's no surprises. There's no, oh man, I feel so ripped off by Jeremy. It's I'm so happy. I've got two sellers right now that we bought their house for, I don't know, 60, 65 cents on the dollar. I could give you their phone number. You call them up. They will be like singing my praises because Hmm. we offered and we delivered on what we said we were going to do. Interesting. That's wild. It makes sense though, especially when you're transparent about the whole thing and you can say, hey, this isn't a good fit for most people. Um, Let's role play this if you don't mind. You mentioned you wouldn't mind sharing your script. Uh, Let's see. Um, I'm an SEO lead. Just filled out the form on your website. And um, I've got a house. You call me. I was trying to okay. think, like, what do I say to you? But I'm like, no, you're calling me because I filled out the form. <laughs> yeah, sure. So one of the big things I'll just add here too as a little nugget is call them within five minutes. Like yeah. if you if you call them because if they're filling out forms or if you're a direct mail guy, I learned this in direct mail. If they're uh, on direct mail, if they call you and leave a message or something and you don't call them back within five minutes or pick it up live, they're calling the next mailer. Mm. So that's where I really picked that up. And then I was like, oh, it's the same as a form. If they have a form, it's even faster. They're just sitting there because everybody's doing this. Nobody's even doing this anymore. I never thought about that. Yeah. I never thought about that with direct mail. I mean, SEO maybe, but especially PPC, it's like click one oh, fill yeah. the form on the next one. You got to be on it. But I never thought about direct mail, like keeping, okay, here's a stack of all my options. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've been through so many walkthroughs where they're just like next, next, you could play cards with all their mail. And um, yeah. And then I've also walked through ones where they didn't call any of the mailers. They hit you up online instead. Mm. Yeah. You know? They just went direct. Okay. So about five, five minutes is about your threshold. Like you got to get yeah. to them in about five minutes. Yep. So okay. five minutes, bam. And so ring, ring. Uh, hello. Hey, Brady. Yeah. Who's this? Hey, yeah. This is Jeremy with kind house buyers. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Hey, good. Hey, did I catch you at a bad time? Um, no, I got a little bit of time. I was just on your website and uh, I submitted the thing. I didn't know what was going to happen after that, but yeah. Yeah, perfect. We like to be really prompt and um, I just wanted to reach out, introduce myself, make sure that you understood who you were submitting the online form to. I took a quick glance over it and um, just wanted to make sure that we were going to even be a good fit or not for you. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, usually how these calls go are anywhere from 
10 to 15 minutes, uh, sometimes 20 or 30. So don't hold me, don't hold me to it if we go over. Yeah. Um, and what we'll do is I'm just going to kind of reiterate some of the information that you already submitted. And we'll make sure that uh, you understand all your options. And by the end of the call, you should have enough information from me so that you can decide on how you'd like to proceed forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Perfect. So also just real quick side note, full disclosure, I am a licensed realtor in the state of Washington Hmm. and just wanted to make sure you understood that because knowing that I'm licensed, uh, my license is on the line if I don't show you and tell you all your options uh, price-wise for your home, okay? You mean like listing? Uh, yeah, just what you could get for it on the market as is, if you fixed it up. There's, there's always a few different routes to sell your home besides just a cash offer. Okay, that makes sense, yep. Yeah, yeah. so I just wanna make sure that you don't feel like there's any wool pulled over your eyes. Okay, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm just, you know, uh, you know, went through divorce recently. I'm just looking to get rid of it. And so I feel like, I mean, we can look at the numbers, but I feel like for me, I'm just looking to get out of it and get as much money possible, but still want to sell it pretty fast. But I think I know what it's worth. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So before we start getting into the situation too much, could you tell me just a little bit, uh, said that the house needs a few repairs. Um, anything major going on with it other than the cosmetics? Um, no, not the, no, the roof is in good shape. We, we redid the roof 15 years ago. Um, foundation's good. Nothing major I can think of. Okay, cool. And I, I think I heard you say you want to get out of this pretty quick and, you know, uh, I'm not sure whenever there's a divorce situation, if I should say congratulations or sorry, but, uh, (laughs) Uh, you know, congratulations. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel for you and we are experts in, in the area of divorce too. So, um, timeline wise, you think in 30 days or less, yeah, something like that? I was going to say a month. If I could, if he can get me out of here within the month, I'd be, I'd be stoked. Okay, cool. And so do you have somewhere to go then if we were to close it in a month, do you have somewhere to move? Yeah. I was just going to stay at my brother's place for now. Get a storage unit and just figure it out. Okay. Yeah, that's that works. I always like to make sure I don't want you to be homeless. Yeah. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about um, you know, thirty so thirty days um needs a few repairs. You said you understand the value. On the form here, I see you put you want about uh two hundred and thirty thousand. And the lowest you would take is two hundred and ten thousand. Um, did you already? I didn't even ask. Do you already have an agent that's helped provide some of this info for you? Um, no, I was just kind of looking at Zillow, and I figured it'd be around two fifty or so. Seems to be what's going in my area, so I just kind of guesstimating based off that. Okay, and obviously you're educated, so you understand that a cash offer is going to be lower than. Uh, what Zillow would say, or you know, you might get if you had it all perfectly fixed up in the neighborhood you're in. Yeah, I mean, I've got some equity in it. I mean, I figured it might be a little lower. I just didn't know like quite what to expect. But yeah, figured there'd be some sort of trade off. Okay. Uh, how much do you owe on the house? Um, how much do I owe on it? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I owe about seventy grand. Oh wow, you're in a really good position. Yeah. So that, that's a great equity position to be in. 
Um, so where's your ex-wife with all this? Um, she is across the state in uh, Seattle. Okay. And so is she on board with selling the house or tell me, tell me a bit more about that situation. Where are you at with that? Are you guys amicable? Not the amicable. Uh, my hope is that she, we can do a split 50, 50 equity split down the middle, but I, I honestly don't know. Okay. So sometimes, uh, when we're working with a divorce, you know, it can get a little ugly. So I just want to make sure we uh, dot all our I's and cross all our T's. Are you working with an attorney? Are you representing yourself? How are, how are you guys coming to terms with all of this? I have an attorney representing me. Okay. He's doing the communication back and forth, but I'm, I'd say I'm 80% confident we can get a 50, 50 split. Okay. And who's ultimately making this decision for you to the, how much you sell the home for? I'm making the decision. I have more, the courts are more in my favor. I have more custody. So yeah. Okay. Got it. Is there anybody else influencing you, your attorney, uh, family members that might want to say anything about how much you sell the home for? No, no. Okay. Got it. And if for some reason we weren't able to get you that 210,000, the bottom line, uh, do you have any other ideas of what you'd do? Um, I'd probably just either stay in it or probably try to list it myself. I've seen some of those, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? Like the, the things where I can just list it online without an agent. I've thought about trying that and get as much money as I can. Oh, like a 1% listing? Yeah. Okay. Like Interesting. A, a, yeah. Like a flat fee listing thing. I've seen those online. Thought about trying that. Yeah. I've been curious about it. And you said you might stay in the home? I mean, I mean, potentially if it's like, if it's, if I'm not going to get what I would hope to get out of it, I might be willing to stay in it longer if I needed to do more repairs and stuff, but otherwise I'd like to get out of it as soon as possible. Okay. Got it. So, you know, anything far below 210,000 probably just wouldn't even make sense for you if, if we were able to guarantee a close in 30 days. Um, yeah, probably not. I mean, may, I mean, maybe close to it. It depends. It depends on what my options are. Okay. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. And I respect that because as an agent, like I said, you know, our goal when we're representing you as a realtor, I'm taking off my cash buyer hat for a moment, uh, is to make sure that you yield the most money out of your home. And so uh, just curious too, are you working full-time right now as well? Yeah, I'm, I am okay. working full-time. Have you sold a home prior to this? No. Okay, got it. Well, when you know, do you understand everything that you would pay an agent to list your home for versus a flat fee brokerage? Have you have you read up on any of that? I mean, it seems like eh, taking pictures, get it on the MLS, and dealing with a little bit of the back and forth. Um, I probably don't fully understand, but it seems manageable. Yeah. I mean, it can be, you're probably a hardworking guy. I mean, you're going to get flooded with phone calls. You're definitely going to have to, you know, make sure that the house is prepped for an inspection and appraisal. You're going to need to be talking with the lender, the other agent. Um, you know, there's quite a laundry list on and on. And, um, it honestly sounds like a cash offer might not even be your best fit. You know, it's, it's the easiest way, but I got to tell you that cash offers it's, Generally, for somebody who's just absolutely done with it, they want to just wash their hands clean. They're okay with taking a little bit of a discount. Uh, you know, 
And when I say that, you know, most people think, oh, well, it's minus the agent fees. When I say a little bit, it's it's quite a quite a chunk, you know. Um, but some people decide to go with this because it's just faster, it's more convenient. Whereas if you list with an agent, whether that's us or anybody else, um, you're even after the commissions with a six percent full commission, you're still going to be making far more money. And mm. I mean, dealing with the divorce and working full time, and you said you had kids. Yeah, two kids. Man, that's a lot. And you're sure you want to take on one more thing? I mean, when you mention it, probably not. It depends on how many repairs need done. Um, yeah, I guess if you're, if I'm thinking about repairs and selling at the same time, probably not. I, I'd probably be willing to just be done with it. Yeah. I keep and going I mean, back that, and forth, but I mean, really, I'd probably just want to get out. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, you don't want to get eaten alive. So, at least if right. you know the the bare minimum I could do for you, Brady, is just making sure that you understand your options. Because I'm looking here online, and it looks like you're right, you know, about that two fifty, two hundred sixty thousand. But you're you're looking at you know most likely based on what you're saying with the roof and everything else. Man, you're probably going to be into this house for thirty to fifty thousand dollars, and you're going to be managing contractors to get it up to that point. You know. So that's yeah. that's at least three months, bare minimum. And I do this full time. I'm telling you, my <laughs> life's my life's stressful. So <laughs> unless you know what you're doing, um, and I'm not trying to scare you out of this or use some sort of false sense of pressure on you to work with us, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a lot of work, and it sounds like you're ready to be done. Yeah, I think so. I'm probably I'm good at overcommitting and underestimating. I'm probably underestimating how long it would probably take to do the repairs. So, I mean I mean realistically, that being said, what's what do you think you could get like how much of a cut would I have to take if I wanted to just get a cash offer and be done? Looking at this just based on what I'm looking at really quick, the numbers, uh, if I were to give you a ballpark cuz I'm not there, I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably looking somewhere in the 140 to tops, maybe 170 if if it really checks out. And I don't know if that would even make sense to you. Um, my stomach hurts a little bit when I hear 140, but I mean, maybe towards it. Knowing what I know, you know, hearing you talk about how long it takes to do repairs, the listing, and wanting to be out, I could. I could probably do like 180, you'd probably be my bottom dollar. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like you're open to it at least. Yeah. I mean, I've got the equity. If we can, yeah, I, I'd be open to it. Okay. I, I don't well, like it, but, you know, the unknown variable of how much a repair is going to cost and how long it's going to take me, the longer that drags on, the longer I'm paying mortgage, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if if we aren't able to get you 180, I can also get you, you know, a an estimate of what we could list it as for you and give you your options to sell it as is cuz you might still be able to make more money even after the commissions and um you know, at least at least you have another option. It it could sit, it couldn't, you know, it's not a guarantee, but um it it at least would give you another bit of peace of mind if you wanted to know both your options and the differences. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'd be willing to look at that. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, I think the next best steps, because I can't just say 180, you know, I wish I could just wire the money right now, but I've got to talk to my team. And uh, I think just scheduling an in-person appointment with one of our team members to come and meet you and see the home, grab some pictures. Unless, do you think you could even send me some pictures? Um, yeah, I got a couple I could send you. Yeah. Okay. That would expedite the process. If If you could get those pictures to me here in the next couple hours, I could actually probably write you up an offer and and then get the process started from there. Okay. Um, do you, do you want to come out here at all? Did you want to see the property or? Yeah, I would say this. How about this? You send me a few pictures because I don't want to waste your time. And I don't know if you're talking to anybody else. It doesn't matter if you are or you aren't. Um, you know, most people that I talk to, they're usually trying to get multiple bids. So I don't want to waste either of our time and come out to the home and, you know, just to know that I'm going to get into a bidding war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You think, you think you're going to put me into a bidding war at all? Um, I mean, I, I generally like, I think of it like if I'm getting worked out of my home and I'm hiring contractors, I usually like to get three bids, but I don't, I, I'm kind of just looking for ballparks for a couple of people, but I would not, I wouldn't take you all the way to the finish line and you know, yeah, I, yeah, I won't well, get you into a bidding war. Perfect. Well, in that case, then yeah, let's just expedite the process without us even coming out there. I'll get you a bid and you can tell me yes or no right out the gate. Okay, cool. That sounds yes. good to me. So I'll just, I'll shoot you my personal phone number, get you some, uh, get those pictures from you and I'll be able to uh, shoot you over some numbers and explaining how, how the numbers work. And from there, you know, I always like to tell people a no is totally fine. Um, hmm. I'm not afraid. I just want to make sure that that we understand that we are or we aren't going to do business together. Do you think you could make sure to, if if it's going to be a no that you could at least tell me that? Yeah, I can do that for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, Brady, I've appreciated our conversation and I really appreciate the opportunity too. Um, I think that we're going to be able to find some common ground here and and find something that works for you and. I've helped a lot of people in your situation. My heart goes out to you. And uh, do you have any mm-hmm. last questions for me? Um, no, I th- I think that's about it. Um, what's your, I guess my last question would be, what's a turnaround time usually for just being able to get out if we decide on a number? Oh, to to close on your home? Yeah. Well, yeah, when I can move out. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be ultimately up to you. So when I, do you think probably the 30 days is a good timeline from now or would, if the number works, do you want to move sooner? Um, I'd move sooner if possible, you know, and I, I don't have a lot of stuff. So the next two, three weeks, but yeah, a month is probably my max I would go. Okay, great. In the offer, what I'll do is I'll write it up for 30 days or sooner so that if for some reason you need to move sooner and we're ready to move that fast uh, with you, we can. And uh, as long as the title clears and the attorney's clear and the ex-wife clears everything and we can get it all done in about two to three weeks, I'm happy to accommodate to that. Okay. That sounds good. Cool. Did you have any other questions? Um, no, that's it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll uh, keep an eye out for the contract. Cool. I'll, yeah, just if you could send me those pictures real quick and then I'll get right to work on it. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeremy. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. Click. So 
I'm 100% convinced that a hybrid is the only way to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I did. For that's, sure. my big, that's my big takeaway. I don't know how people do this without having all the options. I mean, I do and I hear it, but like, why would you want to throw away those leads and why would you not forget the lead? Why would you not want to be able to help people with multiple exit strategies? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, people, because it's a mindset thing. I, I even talked to a guy recently and he's like, oh, well, I don't like giving my salespeople that option because then we're losing deals. And it's like, you know, if that's your niche, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. If the niche is just pure wholesale, you know your numbers, you're like, I'm spending 3,500 bucks per deal and then I'm making 25 grand per pop, you know, per deal. So it's 3,500 for that. Then, and that's all we do over and over again, more power to you if you've got that down. But if you're just getting started or you're local or you're transit, you know, you're an agent, you want to add something like a cash offer, um, it just works great. And in my opinion, of course, I'm biased towards it. It's the only way to go now because you're, you, people, they always say, oh, well, won't becoming a realtor hinder you as a wholesaler? It's like, no, it elevated me because now I'm the yeah. expert. They're going to talk to other guys that are just wholesalers that aren't agents. They're not licensed. You know, I had to go through, I, I am horrible at tests. I'm a high school dropout and I'll admit that. I hate taking tests. It's not how my brain works. Mm -hmm. So getting my license was really hard for me. I'll just be out with it. So if any of you know me out there, <laughs> you know me, you know, it was hard there. I admitted it. It was really tough. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not an easy license to acquire. And then there's a ton of work on the back end to maintain your license and maintain that ethics status, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it's a no brainer in my opinion that you should be doing both. And it's not even about the money part of it. It's more just about you're providing a really quality service at that point. Right. And well, you said it elevates you when we're go when we're doing the role play and you said, you're, I don't care if you, you said something like, I don't care if you're working with anyone else or not. It doesn't matter to me in my head. I'm like, well, you said you're an agent as well. There's that due diligence aspect. The other guys, I don't know the other companies, I don't know. And this seems like they're just, you know, I've, I mean, I've listened to, you know, a bunch of cold calls of other investors. So it's, it's purely, Hey, I'm going to give you a cash offer. I'm trying to get in and out of this deal as fast as I can. And it's a totally different approach. And so in my head, when you're telling me that I'm like, okay, this guy's different, you know? So why would I want to get into a bidding war with, why would I want to put him in a bidding war with other people? Like he's got my best interest at heart to like, at that moment, you'd be like, whoop, okay, I want to work with you. I'm, I'm like quickly deciding no, I don't need to look at five different options. Okay, I tr I trust this guy. It's just yeah. instant more trust because you're held to that higher standard. Yeah. No, I've I I it was a no-brainer to switch over and especially I had agents that were working on my team and I wasn't one and I was just like, "Oh my gosh." Like uh, it, and truly it was when COVID hit. I kind of missed the boat, I'm not going to lie, cuz if you remember when COVID came and I don't know if we're allowed to say that word or not on here, but uh either way, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, the market went bananas and it was yeah. super hard. It was super hard there for a moment for about six months being a wholesaler. And if you were an agent and you had a good deep pipeline of agent listing types of leads, oh my gosh, you were just crushing it. You barely, you just had, I did a, a handful of flips in that period of time too. And it was amazing. It was just like, 
you know, uh, just people begging to buy your home and, mm. and pushing those prices up. So, uh, yeah, that's where it really started. And now really on the flip side where our market's headed, it's even better because no longer can any agent just be an agent anymore. You have to be skilled now in today's market. Right. Yeah. And it, it really, really separates you. And the other thing that I'm noticing too, just side note for the audience is that a lot of people now that everything's tightening up and inflation's getting out of control, people want the most for their home. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then investors are very bearish. So it's like it, on the back end and I don't, I'm not flipping homes right now. Like I, I'll only flip a home if it fits an exact, exact criteria for me. And right. even then I'm probably going to wholesale it. So the numbers uh, are too tight. It's crazy, man. Yeah. And I mean, and even if, yeah, like I said, even if it is a good deal, it's just my pipeline's so full that I'm not really having to worry about that right now. And it's just my business model. I like hanging out here with this view and closing (laughs) deals over the phone like we just did every day. It's my jam. It's where I, it's where I play, you know? Yeah. Okay. So talking to, so let's talk about a couple other objections real quick and, and then, um, Maybe talk about follow up before we wrap it up. But um, so going back to that scenario or a little role play, I'm wanting I'm I'd probably accept 180 under the right conditions. What what are you offering me in that case? Yeah, so 180. Um, it, it sounds like so you're trying to get about 110 thousand beyond your mortgage, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me this, if I were to get you 180, would you be flexible on the timeline? Like more like 60 days, 75 days, something like that? Um, I could probably do 60 days. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it gets me that, I, like, I don't really want to drop below that. Okay. I understand. I'm just curious. Is there any exact reason why you don't want to do that? Don't want to do what? Oh, go below 180. I apologize. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, I just think at that point, it's I'm starting to probably lose money. Um, I feel like I might be willing to take on the headache of dealing with contractors and, and list it um, if we go any point below that, because I can't imagine repairs getting that out of control. So I'm just trying to, like I want out of it, but I still want to get as much money as I can. I don't want to just lose that hard-earned equity. So, yeah. Right. And you have to split it with your ex-wife, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you want the best for her still, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's totally understandable. I mean, if we, if I can do 180, I mean, I will. Um, but if I, if I weren't able to, would you maybe be open to the idea of just listing it as is and seeing if we could still get you that 180 or even a little bit more? Um, yeah, probably. I think so. Okay. Cause I mean, you said six, that's kind of why I asked you if you had a yeah. little bit more time, because you know, if it's, if it's quick, the, the faster it is, the more convenient it is, the, ch- the lower our offer is going to be, I just got to be totally transparent with you because yeah. we're, we're taking a lot of risk, not doing a ton of due diligence. And, uh, you know, so if I were to come in at one fifty, it sounds like, and be able to absolutely guarantee you a close in, you know, let's just say 20, days or less. And I was able to put up $10,000 of a non-refundable earnest money deposit that you would get if I didn't close. You'd be totally opposed to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then most likely 
a cash offer directly from me isn't going to work. But you know, I do have a ton of other investors as well that might be interested in paying at that one hundred and eighty thousand mark. Um, maybe before we visit the as is solution, uh, would you be interested if I brought in an investment partner and purchased it at the one eighty? Um, yeah, I don't mind as long as I can. Yeah, as long as I get my, as long as that's what I get out of it, I don't, I don't care. Cool. Well, yeah, let's let's move forward with that mindset then. Okay, that sounds good. Sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. Some people just aren't going to budge, and that's that's where you come in with that. And the thing is, too, is again, cats out of the bag. Most people aren't going to sell super cheap. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah. And so you got to be able to have be able to pivot around that, unless your model is just purely I'm going to get the deals for this cheap. And, you know, the thing is, is once you get past that, I just set, got an agreement from him. Once he meets our team in person at the property or a contractor or somebody or meets the investment partner that we work with, generally they're really good people too. And so at least our team is, you know, and most, most our buyers, we vet really hard to make sure our values align and our business, the style of aligns. And so when they meet them, and then we come back, like after this, I'm going to have to go to a phone call and do it, get a ten dollars to $15,000 price reduction on one of our properties or walk away from it. Um, just, and that happens, you know, but you can go out there and the rapport's there. Now you're going to be like, oh, wow, you know, yeah, we can do 180, but terms, 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 terms. And there could be a chance of us not getting approved with a loan for this. And once they meet you, they're going to trust you more, right? A second phone call, like the follow-up phone call to the offer. Now they're now you've built more rapport. It's because I rarely make an offer on that first phone call. It is mm. very rare. I don't even like to. Yeah. I think it sets you up for failure because you're mm. just, again, you're not keeping your powder dry. And mm. so they're just like, give me a number, give me a number, give me a number. I was like, is that all that matters to you is just getting the most out of the home? Well, just list it then, you know? So... Not yeah. every but point is not everybody is going to be a, a good fit for you as well. And you have to keep that mindset hmm. because if you're, and this is where my business is headed, I'm sure you're going to ask this later too, but I'm only trying to do business with people who are trying to do business with us. And I know that's a very ambiguous statement, but I have a certain criteria now of the type of client we want to work with. I don't like dealing you you know dealing with defiant clients people that are bossy clients that think that they're in charge that they know it all all that you know give them to your competitors like mm. let them spin and and um spend all their time energy resources dealing with that until you find people that are reasonable and generally especially with SEO and pay per click the deal is already close you know when they put it on the form it's already like within thirty, fifty thousand dollars or it's there. And so we already know what bucket we're gonna be pitching them because we understand their mindset. There's with the internet, everybody's so educated now. So in certain counties, certain areas, certain pockets of those areas, people are extremely educated. And they're yeah. not just gonna be like, oh well, I'm just gonna give my house away, right? It's there's gotta be it's a perfect storm, really. And then what yeah. do you do with every other client? Well, that's where the hybrid model comes in. You 
Right. You serve them by helping them list their homes. Well, one thing I'm curious about is is how often do you, maybe it's never, do you ever need to break down the math of people, the math for people in regards to repairs? Like in our scenario, I'm saying, yeah, I need some repairs, but I don't think you would that get that expensive. But I, But personally, I know that like the world of contractors is changing rapidly right now. Like what people used to pay for, for contractors a few years ago is dramatically different. Now, materials, labor costs have gone up so much. It's nuts. Are you breaking those things down or do you not need to get to that point? Oh, for hmm. sure. And again, it depends on who it is. You know, sometimes we'll talk to someone. I just did a deal with, he was a contractor hmm. and hmm. he knew what we were doing. And he was just like, yeah, it needs this much. And we show up, we're like, yeah, it needs that much. And he's just like, I just want to get out of the house. I inherited it. I don't want to deal with it. I've got too many other projects going on. I know what you guys do. So if you can close it in three weeks, let's do it. You know, hmm. then you've got the people on the whole other end of the spectrum that think they know what they're talking about. They're like, oh, it just needs paint and carpet. <laughs> you know what happens next. The foundation <laughs> is gone. Oh, <laughs> I dealt with one of those too. And either they're lying to you, straight up lying to you, or they're just completely uneducated. And you're like, hey, look, you know, this is about what it would actually cost. And are you willing to pay that? Are you like, I took you through the call. I'm like, do you have the time to do that? Like, let's be logical for a moment here. You have kids, you're going through a divorce and you work full time. And you're telling me that you're going to now take on a house renovation project in order to get 30,000 more dollars out of your home. Like, are you serious? Like, come on, man. Like, that's what, what are you thinking? And then they're like, yeah, you're probably right. Actually. Like <laughs> I didn't even think about that because they're calling you so emotionally, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's really breaking. I do to answer the long, long answer longer. It's, it's, it's a yes. I oftentimes am educating them and I'm not, I'm not using that like most wholesalers Well, they'll just come in and they'll just start beating up the property. If you notice, I was, you know, I'll use the property as a talking point, but then quickly segue into the emotions. Hey, what's mm. going on? How soon do you need out? Where's the wife at? You know, how's the divorce going? Try and get them laughing. You know, that whole, the joke, it's ballsy, it's bold, but generally if there's a divorce, you know, it's, it's, yeah. hey, is it a congratulations or a sorry? They're like, oh, it's a sorry. I've, you know, it's like, hey, I'm really sorry. And then you're, you're shifting over. But most of the time, right. especially when, one of them's upset. They're like, it's a congratulations. And they laugh and that builds like a massive rapport, <laughs> you huh. know? Yeah. So it, it is, it's taken risks there, but it, the, the point is, is you have to discern the difference when you're talking to somebody in an emotional state versus a logical state. And, um, that, that education piece comes in last about the repairs. The home is always the last part of my topic. Yeah. It's it's it it it'll start there to get them to open up because that's how you truly build rapport. It's not about uh oh, you like cats, I like cats. Oh, you like the Mariners, I like the Mariners. Oh, you like football, I like football. Oh, how about them Seahawks? That's not yeah. rapport. That's cheesy. It's letting them talk. It's yeah. hearing them. They want to just talk and open up to you. And that builds trust when they know that you're you're actively listening. That to me is rapport. Hmm. Interesting. Um you know, one thing I was thinking about is when you, when you get that point, when you have discerned, like this is a, this person is like logically based or emotionally based. Are you for the logically 
based person, are you kind of pivoting at that point? Yeah. Um, I move a lot faster. Okay. I'll, I'll move a lot faster. And if you listen to, I know I don't want to like mention tons and tons of names, but there's so many great sales programs out there. And, you know, if you can really tell there's like four personality types, if, you know, the logical based person is usually in the analyst or a driver. Uh, they're very aggressive They or they've already done all the research and they already know. And usually I'm just like, okay, you already know all this stuff. I just, edit, I just stroke their ego. I'm like, you already know what's going on. So why the heck are you calling me? Mm. They're like, well, you're the one that came up with the best reviews. And okay, well, why, you know, I was just listening to a YouTube uh, little um, video with uh, Chris Voss, never split mm. the difference. Yeah. And that's such a great question of just like, oh, well, why, why'd you choose us? Why are you choosing to move forward with me? Or why'd you choose to think that? You know, why, why'd you choose to think of me that way? You know, mm. so, something along those lines of what's like, well, okay, you, you already know all that. That's great. So why are we on the phone? And then again, they're going to start selling you. Well, you had great reviews and well, I understand that I could list it, but like this last guy that we just did a deal with, I could, I could list it. I could finish it out all myself. I'm just done. I've already made my decision. You had great reviews. I'd like to do business with you guys. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, let's come to an understanding. Yeah. You know, and then at that point, you're just really understanding the technical moving pieces of it with a logical person. Whereas with the emotional person, it's very much what we had on our last call, but even more so just they're going to rip your ear off about their divorce and how much they hate their ex and on and on and on. And you just listen to them and, and figure out, you know, the big one too, that people don't ask is where, where are you going to go next? What's your plan? You know, cause when people are in that emotional state, they don't, they're like, wait, I haven't even thought that far. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. They, they can only, they only have the energy to think about what's here now. Yeah. Under right. that stress. Interesting, man. Well, I know we've been going for a minute here. Um, uh, two little things I want to touch on before we wrap it up. How, is there any way, and if it's not an answer to this and that's fine too, but do you treat SEO leads different from the others? Like if you know the lead source they're coming from, um, does that matter? Does that change it up for you at all? The approach? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're mostly doing them, uh, SEO and pay-per-click. So I mean, even there's a subtle difference between pay-per-click and a lot of guys will argue this, but I, I'm really seeing it. Uh, pay-per-click versus SEO. Generally, when they're you know, clicking, they're clicking a bunch of links, they're clicking them fast, they're shopping, right? Yeah. SEO, SEO they're generally researching. So hmm. they're really kind of, a lot of them at least are doing their due diligence. The best leads are, they're really reading your site versus a direct mail they're oftentimes, they got a piece of mail, they've gotten it nine, 15, whatever times they've gotten it now from you. Hey, I've gotten this so many times, I finally decided. So I just figured I'd reach out and see. So they're, lo <laughs> they're looking to be educated. You see how I'm kind of going down. Yeah. So they're kind of on that in-between of like they're shopping and they're educated. Hmm. Then, they're, then there's the cold call and the cold text, which I've both done a ton of. And those are long-term leads. Generally speaking, it's so rare. I've, I can tell you one time 
that I made a cold call. Maybe this is because I didn't cold call enough or whatever. And Brent Daniels can call me out on this, but uh, <laughs> I I got one that I closed on that first cold call, and and it was a it was a deal like ready to go. And that to me was just a little bit of just luck, right? Where you yeah. just cold call on a ton and they were just ready. Most of those are going to need to be nurtured for a long time. When I was tracking our KPIs for cold calls and texts, it was about six months. Whereas a pay-per-click lead, you can get one and close it in two weeks. So um, like literally be there that evening, signing it up at the closing table in two weeks. And um, then you've got bandit signs, which depending on your market, uh, are or are not working at this point. I'm not going to tell you what is or isn't for you because I don't want to make promises. And you're like, yeah, Jeremy told me bandit signs that don't work. Uh, or, you know how many sharpies I bought because Jeremy told me <laughs> yeah. I got to handwrite them? <laughs> yeah. I uh, waste all that time and money. Um, but they're also direct response. A lot of them are. But the thing about bandit signs was um, most people think they're really scammy. And so the people that do call you are like really good because <laughs> they know they're like, they're like, Hey, I know that you guys buy really ugly houses or my house is horrible or, you know, our best bandit sign deal ever. She didn't own a car and she was riding her bicycle uh, to work and she was selling an inherited property and saw our sign. And so most people think bandit signs are very scammy, but so when you do get one call, it's usually like people, se people, sellers or wholesalers. You're saying most sellers, uh, sellers, think. sorry. Yes. Gotcha. Most sellers think just the general public. And most people are like, Oh, the, the response I always get is like to bandit signs to somebody who's uneducated, uninitiated. They're like, Oh, those actually work. It's like, yeah, actually that's they're real. just, yeah. yeah, it does. It is real. So bandit signs, they're like, depending again on your market and timing and all that, you don't get a ton of leads, but when you do, it's usually a real good one. Interesting. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of different approaches, but the sales approach still basically stays the same of setting the table. Like I did with you, letting them know how the call's going to go, letting them know kind of how our process works throughout, making sure you're understanding all their questions. You know, the difference is with the cold call, you're approaching them and you're like, and they're like, well, what's your offer? You approached me. So really you're just looking for somebody who's like, yeah, actually I have been thinking about it and you caught me at a good time. And then you're nurturing that versus an SEO lead. They're reaching out to you. They're giving you the price first. You know, they're, they're already like giving you everything. And then yeah. you call them up and you're like, Hey, I was just reading your menu. You submitted of what you'd like. And yeah, I, yeah. I can serve you or I can't serve you. Yeah. And so that's why I'm a diehard carrot and uh, SEO pay-per-click guy now. I love that, man. I appreciate that context. Um, the last thing I want to ask you, are you doing, um, you mentioned before we hit record on the podcast, you're moving from IF1, Investor Fuse Podio, the OG platform to Investor Fuse 3. Um, what kind of follow-up are you doing? and and why or for what lead sources? Yeah. So we do a ton of email and text follow-up that's auto. And so we've got text strips as in, and carrot too. 
with the sites, it provides, you know, some automatic drips right out the gate. Um, anything from um, really quick. So as soon as they're su it's submitted, boom, you get hit with an email, boom, you get hit with a text, somebody's going to be calling you. And then if they don't pick up, you know, then it's going to be a little, little while longer, they're going to get another text. And then the next day, you know, there's, there's a sequential text, basically an email drip that goes yeah. out to, to out to that lead that comes in mm -hmm. uh, for our direct response leads. Um, and then for anything long-term, we actually use a holiday follow-up. Um, I couldn't find anything for August. So I send them out a text that's like happy watermelon month or something like that. <laughs> I'd have to go look at exactly the wording. I guess. <laughs> you yeah. know, they have those, those stupid national holidays. That'll get um, open. That'll, that'll get a high open. Yeah, rate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so we've got a long-term, we've got a short-term and then our midterm, we're hand dialing a ton. We're, yeah. we're doing a ton of follow-up. Even earlier today, I was like talking with my uh, leads manager and I was like, hey, you know, here's the campaign. You're calling every single lead that we've talked to in the last uh, six weeks and you're seeing if they want to sell before the end of the year. That's your pitch. You want to sell before the end of the year and then you're sorting them out that way. Mm. So ton of follow-up. He's just on the phone. And our whole thing is if your jaw isn't aching and your ears aren't hurting, you haven't called enough that day and talk, talk to enough people. Cause that's yeah. what it's all about. It's about getting enough people on the line too, you know, yeah. but yeah, we, we just, uh, that deal I told you about that we're closing, um, well two right now, actually, actually one, two, three, two, I'm looking at our board, three of them right now were in our system for one was one year, one was three years and the other was about two, three years. And wow. they, yeah. And we're just still working them. So yeah, that's crazy when they're not quite ready yet. Huh? That's, that's where the money's at, man. Like yeah. you'll only get so many off the top. So it's really important that you have a good CRM and I'm so happy that I have three and carrot are infused now. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> we should have, that should have been our promo. The, they're infused. <laughs> didn't think of that I didn't one. even think of that one. But That's good. You should come work yeah. on the care marketing team. <laughs> hey, oh, it's man. all yours. Well, you guys been, thanks, man. We've been at it for a while. I appreciate it. I was planning on covering more objections, but I'm glad we, I mean, yeah, kind of had that natural pivot because I think it's more valuable. It's more real. It's more applicable than like, quote unquote, battling objections. So. I, I like that. Is there anything, uh, anything you wish people would know? Uh, always the first thing I ever tell anybody new to the team or getting into sales is, uh, just forget about yourself. It's what's in it for them. Mm. Um, and I learned that from Zig Ziglar. So if you go read any book, the first really solid sales book I ever read was Zig on sales and, uh, he's old school. Have you heard of Zig? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I haven't, At, I've heard sentiments, but I haven't dug into any of his stuff. Old school, dude. Yeah. Southern draw, all that. Totally kind of wacky. If you'd seen him now, everybody's like, that's not cool. Like it's not cool technically, but man, he knew how to sell and all of the principles stand true. And the biggest one is what is in it for them. And, you know, most people, there's so much hype in this. I was just having this conversation before the podcast was, um, you know, what, what's wrong with, not wrong with, that sounds so bad. Maybe it is the deficit, 
that people are having this day and age is that they think that we live in this microwave society and they see an ad on social media or on YouTube or something like that. And it's like, make $10,000 in 30 days or make $20,000 in 30 days. And they click on it. Well, they keep that mindset. Like what's in it for them? Like for us, like, oh, I want to make $10,000 in 30 days. I want to make you know, whatever number real quick and make, make money for me. I'm telling you that that is a recipe for disaster. So if you, if you truly go into it with the idea that I'm going to go out and I'm going to listen to people and help people out of really tough situations, um, or just hard situations in general or solve problems. And you want to gain the skills to be able to solve those problems. Uh, that that's how the, the market is is working now and and people the sellers will rip right through you they'll smell it right on you if mm. for any reason they can tell that you're in it for a profit like you were saying most of the wholesalers right. they all just call and they're just they're waiting for somebody desperate that's not what yeah. we do that's not what we do or sure you're going to get a couple desperate people i'm going to tell you right now they are the worst to work with they are <laughs> the worst to work yeah. with i love working with highly educated people mm. And people that want to work as a team and they love working with us because that's how we present it from the start. So if you go in it with the servant type of attitude and willing to look at serving them, you'll go really far. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great advice, man. I appreciate it. And I, and I love that approach compared to just waiting for somebody desperate. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We might have to do a follow-up episode someday, maybe on like um, on qualifying leads, you know. Oh, for sure, or something yeah. like that. There's a lot to talk about there too. I mean, we could talk for hours on this stuff. It's good, but um, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. I was so stoked. So yeah, um, yeah. any anywhere people can follow you. Do you want people to follow you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they can. I'm not. I'm not selling anything right now. I'm not a coach. I'm not pitching anything. I purely just, honestly, I've been keeping my head down the last year or so and just developing this skill. And uh, you can, I guess, where would you follow me? Facebook. I don't even have Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook, I guess, or yeah, for now, I guess that would work cool. if, if you want to follow me there. Um, but yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you, dude. I appreciate it. It's been a good conversation. Anybody listening, um, if you got value out of this, share with a friend, send them to the CarrotCast podcast. Uh, you can get the show notes of the video on, on uh, CarrotCast.com. Watch the video version if you want to. Um, but leave us a review, share with a friend. We greatly appreciated it. And um, if you got any questions, have any ideas, hit me up, Brady at Carrot.com. Uh, I'd love to chat. So anyways, uh, thank you, friends. We'll see you later.